the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 65. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. It's nice and nice and foggy over here in California, which maybe not you don't want to hear. Uh, well, it's actually raining today what? in Austin. It's the weather report. Oh. Yes, it's raining in Austin, and so it's raining, and I'm burning Nag Champa, and I feel like I'm 23. It like <laughs> immediately zaps me back to like my early college years. Sarah Andrews sent me Nag Champa after that episode because I didn't know what it was, but as soon as I opened up the package and had that smell, I was like, oh, this reminds me of my friend Amy's bedroom. When I was like eight years old. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I knew the smell when she sent it. Very specific smell. Oh, I well see that's see what I get for assuming that Austin is a hundred degrees all the time. It's not. You're I just you just proved me wrong. Yeah, it's not. It's only gonna be up in the into the eighties today because it's kind of it's kind of soggy and dark today. It's really awesome, actually. Chloe made a, f- a fort in her room. It's like, that's perfect. It's the perfect fort day. Oh, Get that... on up in there, girl. <laughs> I loved making forts as a kid. It was like a whole nother oh, world. Know. Right? Yeah. I used to make stores out of my bedroom window. Like I'd have like a, a taco shop. And I was like seven or eight. And I would take the screen off my bedroom window. And I'd make my sister like come up to the window and order from me. And everything would be made from Kleenex. I would make all the tacos out of Kleenex, the dollars out of Kleenex. Yeah, I was a little bit of a weird kid. Um, But anyhow, I wanted to just real quick before we jump into the show, we had our women's circle this last weekend. And I felt a high. I totally heard about it. I've seen some (laughs) pictures, but it looked amazing. It was like the same high I felt after your women's circle in Austin, like just super powerful, really positive. And just five hours went so fast. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it was over. And I'm like, wait a minute, that was five hours. How could that possibly be? Um, but yeah, that Natalie, who who we had on the pod last week, she, for being a brand new yoga teacher, she just rocked it. The meditation, the yoga, and you know, Sasha's wonderful nature. I mean, she was just so, so lovely and leading the women at the end and reminding us that we all wear our crowns, you know, these invisible crowns that we just need to place on our head and remember that we're the queens. And she led us and it was just really, it was really special. I'm so happy for you guys. Yeah. And a bunch of our listeners, a bunch, six of our listeners, um, well, more of our listeners came to the circle, but six of our listeners went out to dinner and went to go see my art show after um, the event. And we went to dinner and ice cream and laughed until we cried. And just, it was fantastic. (laughs) It was like so beautiful, all the connection. So... You were there in spirit, my friend. Um, and Natalie's already booking at her studio. We have one schedule. We're scheduling every quarter. We'll be having a women's circle. That's 
Awesome. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Yeah, Sarah and I had a powwow this past week too. We had breakfast and we are good. We are scheming as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Good. Well, um, we're probably going to just jump into the show. Do you have anything you want to promote or anything you have to, you want to, no, you're good. Mm -hmm. I know I'm so feel like a self-promotion machine. I'm like, I'm tired of just pushing everything. So thank you to everyone who listens to like, oh, I got this going on and that going. I mean. Yeah. Summer. If you need me, I'll be in a book. Yeah. Well, speaking of summer, our guest today, our guest today has been on the show before. And um, she was episode 18. And now we're on, what, episode 65. She's going to be 65. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited to have her on. And, and today we're going to talk about sober travel um, with Erin Shaw Street. And Erin. Yeah, we really, oh. yeah, we thought it would be a, just a super appropriate topic. Obviously, yeah. for the yeah. summer. So go ahead. Why don't yeah. you Erin? Well, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. I'm having some sober travel issues. So, um, I can't wait to hear what she has to say. But Erin Shaw Street, for those of you who haven't listened to her previous interview, is a writer, editor, mom, feminist, and collector of vintage clothes and gold shoes. One of the reasons why I love her. Um, Mm -hmm. With more than two decades of experience in media and communications, this former magazine editor and newspaper reporter uses her reporting skills for what she believes is her calling, listening to complex stories and helping people find the language to express themselves particularly in reckoning with challenging issues. It is her joy to help people to be seen and heard, and most importantly, to know they're not alone. So Erin's sobriety date is March 12, 2016. She credits online and in real life communities of women as showing her that sobriety and recovery is an amazing privilege and is committed to service advocacy and building spaces that are inclusive and intersectional. She is also the founder of Tell Bitter Stories, which is a, an amazing new platform that Erin that is building. And it's a movement to educate content creators and consumers. Tell Better Stories is founded on the principle that content creators and brands, large and small, should understand that problematic drinking has been steadily on the rise among women and ask content creators to be smart, educated, and thoughtful about issues around women and alcohol. Yeah, and with her expertise in travel, culture, and health and wellness, Erin brings her deep background in journalism, as well as working in a nonprofit and agency setting, to all of her work. She believes in the power of radical grace and is here to help people tell better stories. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be back. <laughs> it's like a party. It is a party. I'm just sitting here pinching myself that we get to have this conversation and both of you have been so instrumental in my recovery and my evolution Um, and I so admire all the work you're doing in this space and it's just it's an honor um, to have this conversation about a a topic that's so dear to my heart but um, I'm just I'm super excited to talk with you both again Mm. well so are we yeah mutual yeah, well, Aaron, I know that we were kind of trading emails back and forth, and I know that I have um, shared on the pod that I've had these recent panic attacks, and I had um, one rise up last night 
could not sleep, was up till three in the morning. And I was like, I'm trying to keep them at bay. And I know I'm home, but the first one happened on an airplane. And I know that you travel for work and for pleasure. And um, I was hoping that, yeah, that you could share with our listeners a little bit, you know, tips today and maybe just, you know, chatting with them and telling them um, why you travel so much, maybe just for the people who haven't listened to your prior episode and kind of just get us up to speed with um, your take on it. Sure. Um, I'm, I am sorry that you are going through, through that, Tammy. I've been following, um, along, um, with, with your experiences. And I also appreciate that you're sharing that, um, publicly. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, travel is, is wonderful and difficult. And where I am today in, in, in my recovery and my experience with travel, um, is reckoning with, um, you know, with that fact that it is wonderful and beautiful it can be um, still difficult even when we have some time. So um, even as I hear you talk about how you're examining where you are um, in your life, um, you know, I really appreciate that honesty um, because, and it helps me. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. Um, uh, so travel was and is a big part of my life and the abbreviated version, um, and I would encourage people to listen to episode 18 where Um, I talk about it in more depth, but um, I was a travel editor by profession. So I spent a lot of my time traveling uh, across the Southeast for work at the magazine. So I had what people, you know, called the dream job. Um, I traveled about half the time. So I was eating and drinking and experiencing um, some amazing things. Um, So I have a lot of experience with business travel, but in business travel, that is also where my drinking picked up, my dependence began, and where the problem really set in. Um, So kind of fast forwarding, um, in 2015, I entered into the rooms um, more, more, and then did a little bit more research, particularly during business travel. Um, And then in March of 2016, um, Sandra actually, um, was there for me when I, um, when I had my last God willing drink and posted in a secret Facebook group, um, that I was in trouble and I needed help. And she came to me, um, and, and was my angel and is my angel. So when I talk about the power of community, which is going to be a lot of what I want to mention in, in talking about travel, it's true that the community that I met in real life in recovery and online uh, really helped save my life and helped me build a life where I could reintroduce travel to. So, um, and now it's very much, again, a part of my life, but I had to do a lot of work to get to the point where I can um, travel again. Um, And so now I do travel both professionally and personally. I'm getting ready actually to take a trip Um, with my husband and son for about 10 days. And I'm so thankful for that. But, you know, the ability to travel is one that has been, um, that has, it's, it's a work in progress. It's an evolution for me. Um, and, and you mentioned a recent experience that I shared and I can share about that too. Um, where, where I realized that even with more and more time or more and more experience in recovery, travel can still hit a lot of triggers for me. And now the challenge for me isn't as much about um, being afraid of taking that first drink, though I have a healthy respect for that, but it's about being physically and emotionally, um, mentally, spiritually well. 
um, on the road, whether that's for business or pleasure. And that's a tall order. It's a tall order when I'm at home in my surroundings. Um, but it still is a, a challenge, um, you know, when, when I'm out of my out of my daily routine, even when it's a very pleasurable, um, you know, terrific trip, like the one that I just took with my family. Mm-hmm. So, Cause you're going back to the scene of the crime, right? Correct. That's what it, I, that's the phrase that keeps going through my head. Correct. Um, absolutely. You're going back. And, and that's where I had trouble. Um, you know, at the beginning, um, like, you know, I, I entered the rooms, I was starting to work a recovery program and a holistic recovery program. So I started getting toolkits. I had a sponsor. I, had recovery literature. I was taught what I should do when I was on the road. But when I was on the road, um, for me, it became all, all bets were off. Um, I, the, the uh, isolation, <laughs> lack of accountability, mm-hmm. and I had numbers in my phone. Um, but, but, um, it was the scene of the crime, um, particularly being in a place where, and again, this is harkening back to more than two years ago, but, doing business travel that involved long hours, um, you know, drinking a lot of caffeine, which I'm still working on. Um, <laughs> you know, my whole dynamic, um, which involves at, at that point, I was very, very new in sobriety. So still doing all the work to understand how did I get here? Um, and literally living kind of day, day to day. Um, and for me doing that, being in another town at first did not, <laughs> it did not mix. Um, I mean, it was like, I, I literally was going back even things like, you know, the scent of a hotel room, um, mm-hmm. the sights, the sounds, the feel, um, you know, airplanes, um, you know, airports are big triggers. And we talk about that a lot in terms of sober travel. It's, it's, you know, I used to sit at the bar. Um, that's how I passed time. I, um, you know, it's how I dealt with the stress and anxiety of travel. Um, and again, good and bad, good stress and bad stress. Um, I had something that turned off the noises in my head and there was a time where I could never imagine getting through a day, let alone, you know, or getting through maybe not a day, but, um, you know, a couple of days without having this thing that quote unquote, calm me down, which did till it didn't work. Right. But it is literally going back. And for me, it was having to, having to almost get that muscle memory of, you know, almost a mental muscle memory and, you know, setting new patterns of, well, how do I deal with this when there is a delay? How do I cope when things go wrong? Because things inherently go wrong in travel. Even the best laid plans are going to, you know, go wrong. That's sort of, sort of part of the deal. Um, I found it extremely difficult to do in early sobriety, even with a network and some toolkits. Um, it, it was still very, very challenging at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. it goes hand in hand. Like I, I always, I mean, travel drinking, I deserve it. This is, you know, we're on vacation. Um, you know, it's just a couple of days away from home, but going to an airport, like you said, I, I think I've seen so many women in our, in our, um, online groups, uh, recovery groups that are just like, it's a really a trigger to walk into an airport and not go to the bar for me, not to order a bloody Mary on the plane. Um, you know, it just went hand in hand and you have to change that story. Yeah. And it's really, I found it really, really hard. And, you know, my mental defenses, um, aren't always great. 
um, you know, combined with that story, you know, the, I deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if it's business travel that I deserve it for me will be, well, you know, I'm busting it and here I am, um, you know, in an airport somewhere away from the things I love. So why, why the hell not? Right. If yeah. it's um, pleasure travel, you know, the question that comes up a lot is, well, how am I going to enjoy a trip to Europe or how am I going to enjoy a, a trip to the beach? Um, if I've been doing this for, you know, maybe a lifetime, um, you know, how am I, and those are all situations that I've navigated, um, and, and continue to navigate. Uh, and I think part of it is it's the paradigm shift. You know, there is the shift that occurs for us when, um, when we, when we do look at or a shift that occurred for me, um, of, of recovering sobriety being a privilege, (laughs) Um, and, and for me, it was sort of a shift and it's not that I get to drink quote unquote, it's that I get to be in recovery, which for me is living again, just for me, um, a, a bigger life, a more awakened life and recovery brings me everything that my drinking promised me yeah. in, in, um, you know, and yes, travel hand in hand for me. I mean, the, the, the illusion that I believed is I was this editor with this craft cocktail and I was doing research and having this fabulous life. And that was the case for a time. Um, but what, what it became was something much different and, and I'm not alone at that, you know, at all. Um, but, and that's why I also talk a lot about sort of this narrative around travel and that it has to involve, you know, toes in the sand and, you know, a cocktail in hand. Um, and it doesn't, but it also takes time. Um, sober travel to me is much more than, Oh, I don't have a hangover. Like that's great. Right. You know, you'll see a lot, you know, it's, and it's never going to get old to me to not have a hangover and to be able to, you know, to, but it's, it's also hard. So I think about for me where I am, you know, the, the, the paradigm has shifted from, Oh yeah, I don't have a hangover. Um, to, um, how can I say it? Um, and again, I don't ever want to take that for granted. Um, but there's more to sobriety and recovery and travel than, um, I woke up without a hangover. <laughs> like now, right. well, know, it's every, like, every experience is new. You are creating new experience one after the next. And, you know, and even after you've done it once, twice, even three times, um, there's still going to be something that's going to come up that you haven't experienced yet. Absolutely. And, you know, I think of it as like beginner's eyes, like even mm-hmm. though I am an experienced traveler and have done it professionally for a long time, in some ways, you know, I'm a, I'm a newbie. So last year when I went to Italy for my brother's wedding, um, I remember walking around Rome and I, I literally felt like I was you know, like a 15 year old, like when I went to Europe for the first time, which incidentally is actually uh, one of the first times I ever drank was going to a high school trip to mm. uh, to Spain and France and England. And I believe that may have been, it was probably the second time I drank, but from a very young age, and I wasn't a big drinker in high school, but I went to Europe and travel was etched in my mind as, you know, walking through these ancient towns and having a lovely glass of wine and a beautiful meal. So the romanticization of travel for me goes back, you know, decades. So last year when I was in Italy, I was in Rome like that 15 year old girl again on a high school trip with these wide eyes and this beginner's mind going. And and one blessing is I did see Rome for the first time sober. Mm. 
Um, and you know, and, and seeing it and I had this realization that, um, that I was, I was new, um, and what a gift to be able to, to do that now. Um, and I, I talked a lot about, um, about this last year when I was going through that process and my brother did get married in one country in Tuscany and it, it, it was challenging. Um, but you know, the beautiful thing about that was, um, again, it will not challenge in the, in the. I'm afraid I'm going to take a drink way, but that I was dealing with all of the physical and emotional travel stress, um, and family and kind of normal dynamics. Right. Yeah. But doing it in a very wine soaked environment. But one of the beautiful things from that, um, was how many people came up to me, you know, at that wedding and said, Hey, I, I, I admire what you're doing. Um, and a few people said, can you tell me a little bit more about this path? Hmm. So, um, so, you know, ultimately, I mean, I have to be true to myself. Um, and, and, but that does mean making some sometimes tough decisions and really looking out for my physical, mental, and emotional help as I'm evaluating every trip and every experience. Well, watching you do that trip, Aaron, I want you to know it's like I, sometimes I post a lot on social media when I'm in it. Right. And, and, and other times I'll just check out and like can't post anything or share anything because it feels weird. And then I start examining my relationship with social media. But what mm-hmm. I like that you did or that I saw, it's like you took us on this journey with you from your packing to the caftans to you're going to have this head gorgeous. Was it a gold turban? I don't know. All of it was just like I was excited for your trip and I felt and I can and I don't know. I mean, I felt good watching it all go down because it was fun. It was really fun to watch and, and witness you do this. Um, but even with hindsight and looking, I imagine you did that as a coping um, mechanism. And I, what I want to read, I'm going to quote you here, if that's all right. <laughs> I'm going to quote you here from an email that you sent us because I think it's important because I think what you're about to get into will touch on this. But you said, um, I believe travel is life amplified the good and the bad. And while sobriety opens many doors to new and remembered travel adventures, we need to get really honest about where we are in recovery before embarking on any trip. And I think that that's kind of where you're going with the emotional, right? The emotional component. We're not drinking today, but (laughs) there's all of these feelings that are swelling up around us as we go to leave our nests, Right. Yeah. And you, you did that really gracefully and really beautiful. I love when you're like in the hot tub in the morning, not hungover, like with this beautiful view and everybody's still sleeping. And, um, you know, that's a big trip that you took, Erin, and a big, a big events, multiple events, right? I mean, it was. it's like and a world I, tour you guys were doing. <laughs> it was. I mean, this trip involved, um, you know, a, a, a lot of dynamics. It was going to a very remote village in Tuscany. With my parents, my mom has significant um, physical impairments and mobility issues, um, and it was a wedding, which we- weddings are, you know, also notoriously challenging. So, you know, I kind of laughed, you know, when they told me where they were getting married and sort of at the time they were engaged, I was maybe not even a year sober, and I was like, of course they're getting married in, in one country. <laughs> right. I'll be honest, I had to do a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of work before and during um, that trip. So you're right. I was posting those images as a coping mechanism and, and to be accountable. Um, you know, the reality is I could have still done that and made another, another decision. Um, yeah, but the difference, so I also have to be really careful about the illusions that I create. So for me, the whole journey is 
how can I be real with myself? How can I be real with um, my community, whether that's in real life or on online? Um, so I tried to even during that time share some challenging things, like a moment um, in Italy when we were getting a rental car and the guy at the counter was joking with me about how much wine I'd be drinking when I went to, to Tuscany. And, you know, it was kind of going on and on and on. And at that morning, it it sort of hit me the wrong way, but I stepped back and thought, well, okay, this is an, it's another culture and wine is part of their culture. Um, and I, you know, sort of thought about, cause I, I kind of reacted in my gut, like I'm all alone. I'm the only person in Italy, not, you know, not drinking. And I'm so like these old stories. Right. Um, and then I had to step back and reframe it. You know, this man at the rental counter didn't know who I was. Um, you know, that, that, that's not his, his, my sobriety is not, it's not his, his right. issue. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of, I mean, in addition to like the, yeah, the hot tub morning, that was actually the morning after the wedding. So yeah, people are up dancing till the sunrise and, you know, and that, that is terrific. Um, I had to duck out at 1am, but I saw, you know, I saw my father marry my brother and his husband. Mm -hmm. I saw my mother get to the dance floor to dance with her son. Um, so, you know, honestly, I was completely spent Yeah. <laughs> after I got in that hot tub, I had to take a ton of anti-steroidal you know, things cause my back was flaring up and my neck was flaring up and, um, and it was, it was hard, but I did it. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, in that case, you know, the goal, the goal of that wedding was not all about Aaron, but it was about my brother and his husband and my parents honoring you know, their, their son. So even though I was a little bit of a wreck, um, I had, I, you know, that was something that I'd kind of calculated in. Um, but yeah, it was, that was only done and all of my travel is only done really with a very careful evaluation. And, you know, and there are times where I've said, no, there was a trip before that where I was invited to a writer symposium in Texas in a very remote town. And at that part, and a friend invited me, and it was, a, a, you know, an incredible opportunity um, professionally and personally. Um, but I knew I'd be in this remote town. And the first thing I thought of is, how am I going to connect with a recovery network? And, you know, and it scared me, the thought of being, at that point, I could not go to an isolated place. And I could not feel solid. I was not solid enough in my recovery. And I told my friend, you know, after much thought and prayer and you know, talking with my network. Um, thank you so much. I'm honored you asked, but this is just not right for me. And that was hard because old me would have been like, oh my goodness, I was invited to this fancy writer's camp. I'm so special. But I knew what those nights would entail. Yeah. And and she was honest too. Those nights would entail um, drinking, a lot of drinking. That's a, a lot of what writers do <laughs> when, yeah. they're, when they're together. So again, uh, and I'm working to change that narrative as well. Um, and luckily, you know, there's a ton of amazing people that I look to who've modeled that whole notion as well. But, um, you know, I talk to a lot of women who say, Hey, I'm nervous about going on this trip. And that's where I think we have to sometimes have really hard conversations and ask ourselves, what is the intention? Do you ha actually have to go? Why are you going on this trip? Yeah. And I think, I think you have, you have some things you're going to share with our listeners here today. Um, and so let's start, let's start there. Like when, you, when we're preparing um, to commit to a trip, what would you, where do you start? Where do you start, um, in that process? So when preparing to commit to a trip, first of all, I know there are times where one feels they 
have to go. So let's say a business trip. Let's say you are in the process of of recovery or early recovery, I'm thinking about specifically, and you have a business trip um, and it's a bit of a sticky situation because you're not completely um, or you're not public or not public with your colleagues for a lot of reasons. Um, that's a that's a different decision um, than, okay, can I go on this beach trip with my girlfriends? Um, so I want to acknowledge that there are people who are in in tough positions um, where they're sometimes isn't a choice. Um, so that leads to other conversations. And I would say that if you're in that situation where particularly you're traveling for business travel um, and, and you're in early sobriety, that it is imperative to be plugged into a network of people who have done that and have experience and can guide you and can be sounding boards um, and give you those tools. Um, so that's kind of number one is that there are going to be times where we absolutely must go um, or maybe not. Um, but that's sort of the, you know, part one, I do recognize that there are times where we don't have a whole lot of decision. Um, so I would say connect, 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 um, with your support system to be able to, to help you do the thinking when it's really tough to do. Cause I mean, it, it was really tough for me to make decisions. And in those early months, my brain was just mush. Uh, it was really, really tough. And, I think ultimately for me, it, it became an out again. So I would just say, number one, if you're in those early months, tread ex or, you know, even up to a year, even perhaps beyond, I don't want to put timelines on it, but tread extremely light, lightly and make sure that you have other sound, sound sounding boards. But moving on from that, if you are evaluating, uh, I would say any, any trip, what, again, what is the intention? Do I need to, do I want to, why am I going, um, I hear a lot, well, you know, we go on this family trip every year and I don't really want to go. And I have, you know, my father-in-law drives me crazy and all my buttons are going to be pushed. Well, why are you going? Mm -hmm. In recovery, we get to say no. And I believe for many of us, and again, I also want to acknowledge, I mean, people talk about being and not everybody says they're in recovery. Some, you know, they're alcohol free or they're sober, but in general, we, and again, only speaking for myself, we're, we're fighting for our lives. So I think the decisions about travel um, really come down to these core issues that we're examining as we begin to live alcohol-free in the recovery. So are you people-pleasing? Are you doing it because you've always done it? Um, and if so, Why? And if you don't want to go, okay, so you, you know, upset the in-laws or, you know, your, your, your partner is annoyed or, you know, okay, well, so, um, so I think it's kind of unpacking the, you know, sort of the, the why, or, you know, maybe that's not the dynamic and you have this incredible opportunity to go on, you know, on a trip with, with friends or with your family. And it sounds amazing. Um, what will it look like? when you are on that trip. Again, we can only plan for so much and, you know, sometimes our bodies decide otherwise. Um, but are you at a place in your alcohol-free living, in your recovery, where this is going to put more energy or more joy into your life? Um, or will it deplete it? Are you going to come back and be a wreck and 
you know, and feel awful. And I've done that. And I still have to really, really watch because, you know, I get excited. I get excited about the opportunities and I am the person that still wants to, you know, experience everything and schedule to the hilt. And I, I have to tone that down a lot. Um, so I think getting really, really honest with yourself and then honest with your, the people in your network whom you trust um, is the first step. And then if you do decide, yes, I do want to do this and it's consistent with where I am, um, then really begin your, your preparations. Right. When I went on my first trip, Aaron, to Arizona, um, I was was in a 12-step program for about three months. And my sponsor was saying, you know, you should um, look at meetings near your mother's home. She's like, because you're going to see your mother, that could be triggering. Right. You know, just around, and it was December, the holidays. You might want this in your back pocket. I, I told her yes, but I had no intention of going to any kind of a meeting while I was there because I just thought I need to hold on tight. But yes. as soon as I got there, I did it. I looked up, I took her suggestion, I went and it really helped. And so that was a great tool. But like having a plan, I think, you know, mm -hmm. um, is good. Right. Or being or thinking about how you can thinking ahead about how you can maybe build in some boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I haven't done any business traveling um, since I've been sober, but I've done a lot of travel with family and um, I love my family and, you know, and I love the experiences we get to share together, especially in sobriety because I'm actually present for them. But I have to remember that, um, you know, I crave a little, I actually not just crave, I actually absolutely have to have some alone time as well. Mm -hmm. And just to remember that, that, you know, um, you may even get some flack for it from your family, but just, you know, remembering that, you know, you're going to need to carve out some, yeah. some walks by yourself or yeah. <laughs> some extra time in bed or, you know, those kind of things. So can I share my career story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is a recent example um, that, that, um, that prompted the conversation that we're having now for your, for your listeners. So Last month, I went on a Disney cruise with uh, my whole family, all 11 of us, so ages 4 to 70, to celebrate my mother's 70th birthday. So it was something I was really, really looking forward to, and we're rarely together, and this was the kind of vacation that we could, a once in a lifetime, all of us together, and again, I mentioned we have, my mom has severe mobility issues and some physical issues, so this was um, a special way that we could honor her and spend her birthday together. Um, and we did, and it was great and it was really, really hard. And it became a turning point for me in my relationship to sober travel. And this is why, um, I had prepared and I will talk a little bit more about the tools that I used to prepare, um, for me in this case, um, you know, I had talked about it in a community of women, um, and supportive women, 12th up and otherwise, I had prayed about it. I'd written about it. I had my recovery literature. I had my, my physical toolbox and I, I was feeling really good when I went into this. Um, and the first night of the cruise, uh, I was in a situation where uh, I was in a bar uh, with, with some family members and my mom. And long story short, I was, my mom was using a scooter on the ship to get around. She needs a 
and I was trying to move the scooter and not doing it very gracefully. I'm kind of a terrible driver and I'm a terrible scooter driver. And I was in the front of this bar, this lounge where we were going to sing Broadway songs, which again, is an awesome thing to do sober. And I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. able to do that. And, uh, but what happened during that time is, I, so the scooter was in front of the piano. I was trying to move it and everyone in the bar was laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, now this came after a day of long travel, of going through the port, um, you know, which if you've gone on a cruise, that's kind of the most stressful part of it, of, you know, getting to the room, of getting situated, also looking out after I, I wanted to make sure my mom was having a good experience and that she was safe and the little ones were taken care of. So you can see where this is all going, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No yeah. self-care for Aaron whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Aaron was, um, and next thing you know, um, I mean, and I found, I, I knew my fuse was getting shorter and shorter as the day went on. And there I was in this bar moving mom's scooter and people were taking out their cell phones <laughs> to video me being, you know, Aww. Yeah, it was it was a little and you know, old Erin would have hammed that up, right? Yeah. Old Erin loved the attention. She would have had a number of drinks in her and she would have been just driving that thing all around the lounge and ha ha funny funny. But sober Erin, you know, at, at this point, um, had an anxiety attack. Yeah, mm. you're like, I'm over this shit. Bye bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's so funny, <laughs> damn it? Oh, oh, nothing. Like, oh, to top it off, a woman yelled, you're going to get a DUI with that thing. Mm, um, cute. And, of course, I yelled to my brother, you tell her why that's not funny. <laughs> I mean, I look back on it, and it's like, oh, of course that happened. But um, at the time, I was like this pressure cooker. Yeah. And, you know, and I ran out of that room, and I felt a sense of isolation that, to be honest, I really haven't felt in, in recovery. And what what amplified that isolation was I was on a cruise ship. Without nowhere to go, yeah, no Wi-Fi, no Wi. Now they had Wi-Fi. It was very expensive, Um, so I couldn't at the time post in you know in in your group or in any other group. I couldn't call another woman in recovery. Um, All of a sudden, I and I felt so alone. I went to my room and I was crying and I said to my husband, you know, why can't I handle this? Mm. You know, why can't I handle this better? And this wave of all of these things in my life just kind of came crashing down. Um, but you know what I had? I had the schedule for the ship, which at 8 a.m. the next morning, there was, you know, they say Friends of Bill W. meeting, which is on every cruise ship. Can we and, highlight that? Because a yeah. lot of people don't know I that. I didn't know that. Say that again. Yeah. yeah say that awesome. again. Yeah. So if you look, if you're on a cruise ship and you get the schedule. If you're anywhere, by the way, at yeah. any, lots of different uh, festivals, uh, anything, often that will be the code. So say that again. Yeah. So it's Friends of Bill W. So right. for those who don't know, so Bill Wilson um, is, uh, was a co-founder um, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And anywhere that code I've, I've heard people say that you can page in an airport I've never done it I've never heard it but you know that you can say you know paging a friend of Bill W so if you're in that moment of I need to talk to somebody um, you can do that so on cruise ships and you know it's funny I remember always seeing that on other cruise ships I'd been on and thinking huh what is that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know you're mm-hmm. like what is this friends of Bill and then you know but it's code Right. Um, you don't even have to be part of, you know, you don't have to have ever gone to another meeting. You 
all are welcome. But you'll find your people. You'll find right. your people. <laughs> and let me tell you, so that night, fast forwarding through that night, my husband said, hey, why don't we go, um, why don't we go sit in the hot tub? And that night, um, you know, I changed the script. Um, and, and through prayer, I mean, I didn't change it alone. I mean, surrender going, I am where I am. I get to go sit in the hot tub with my husband. I actually brought recovery literature and I sat on the Disney dream ship while zippity doodah was playing in behind me. And I went back and started reading step one and went, what an opportunity I mm. get to, um, I am powerless over some things today. Um, over a lot of things, but, um, but that day I did not have to go back to, um, I did not have to take a drink. And the next morning when I did go to that meeting, it was one of the best meetings I've ever attended. I connected with people who knew exactly what was going on um, and actually developed some really meaningful relationships on the boat um, that were such a blessing. And some of the best meetings I've ever been to have been meetings out of town. So I do want to highlight that too as a tool. Um, that has been invaluable, knowing that wherever I am in the world, I can access a meeting and yes it might take a little bit of work for me to get to it um they may not even speak my language but i went to a lot of lengths in in my drinking <laughs> to get my drink and for me i have to go to lengths to maintain my sobriety and recovery and um the, the whole the whole thing and i do believe whatever i put before my sobriety i will lose so but it's not just a duty. I mean, people think, and, you know, I've had friends go, God, that's so weird that you go to other cities and you, you go to a church basement. And I say, no, it's, it's joy anywhere in the city. Like I'm part of this cool fellowship. Um, like when I think about, I wasn't the only one on that boat who was going through family issues and anxiety and travel stress and physical things like, you know, but I have a way to deal with it. Um, and again, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 12 step. Um, I do believe there's many paths to recovery, but for me, that has been a vital, I mean, having that community, um, again, when, when I relapsed on the road, um, and Sandra came to me and helped save my life, one of the next things I did was get to a meeting. I was at a meeting at South by Southwest. There are meetings everywhere. I will say too, on that trip. I remember calling, I called the, the, there's like a inner office in every town to find out about the meetings. Um, and I knew about, <laughs> I knew there were meetings and I chose not to go to them. Uh, I wasn't done yet, yeah. um, but I'm done now. So, you know, regardless of your relationship, you know, I know not everyone follows the 12 steps and uh, I'm not here to preach that, but knowing that there is that, um, that community where you can have that connection, even if you don't believe in everything is Gosh, what a blessing. Just a tool, just a tool yeah. to just say, I'm going to go find my people for today. Right. You know? It's like you throw out a, li a lifeline and, and you know, you know, it'll be received, you know, right. somebody will grab it. Right. Yeah. I mean, another instance that I recall is, you know, doing some, some business work last year when I was about a year sober and I was in another community and, in 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 travel writing, when you do your research. Uh, many times people have arranged wine tastings or bourbon tastings. And I remember getting my itinerary from a group that I was working with and it was, and, and I had taught, it was wine tastings and bourbon tastings. And, um, and I talked with them and I said, you know, very politely, uh, I don't drink. Um, but, um, you know, I'm happy to, um, talk with other people about 
to get the the research to write about these places. Um, but I remember there was one night where I did go to, it was a wine bar and it was really, really hard. Um, and I remember having kind of a, a meltdown that night and I called another woman who is part of our network from our online community. And then I got to a real life meeting and it's, you know, it's hard to, to describe it, but it's just this release when you walk in and know, um, you know, that, that you're not alone. But again, yeah. these are all, tw- these are all muscles that had to be like exercised and worked. This was not how I started traveling <laughs> in sobriety. Um, well, but Erin, you know, I, I wanted to, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah I yeah. want to say that tool. I just, uh, when Sandra had you highlight it and talk about their friends at Bill W, like, and like you said, it's, that's not, we're not pushing 12 step. However, you're in a yeah. situation where you need to find your people. I, um, I have a tool that I don't know that I've shared on the show ever, I don't know if I have, um, but it's an app on my phone. Now, I know you were in a situation where there was no Wi-Fi, so this would be outside of that. But there's an AA meeting guide um, app that you can put on your phone. And so it knows your location and it tells you, like right now I can open it up and it tells me in Santa Rosa at 930, you know, there's there's a meeting and that's 15 miles away from me. And it tells me what type of meeting it is, like if kids come, if they have childcare. So if, if, you're, if you're packing up your toolbox and you're preparing to go on a trip... Um, and you're trying to find, like you said, I think you talked about like Wi-Fi and do you have the right data plan? And like, these are all things to consider, but having an app on my phone felt like a superpower when I got to my mom's house. Like that's how I could easily find a meeting. Didn't feel like I couldn't figure it out. Right. That's a great tool. And also another one I wanted to mention is in the rooms.com. So again, a free resource where you can go online and participate in virtual meetings. So even if there is a place where you can't physically get out, um, there is in the rooms.com. There it. are phone phone meetings that you can dial into. If you, you don't need to say anything. Um, if you just need to be part of that connection, um, you know, these are all very, you can always find a way to hook in. And then another piece of that is that, you know, talking, talking about it again with your in real life. And if you have a digital support group. So again, I see a lot of people, talking about preparing for, uh, for travel in your group, mm-hmm. sharing their experiences, um, using that as a tool. I mean, we're so blessed in 2018 to have so many resources like what you provide, so many communities, whatever community you are a part of, um, use it. And if you're not a part of a community, I would just really encourage that, that you find one because the, for me, again, just speaking from my experience, strength and hope, um, the time to get and stay sober was like, or the time to look for resources. It has to happen before. <laughs> um, if not, I mean, for me, I ended up in again, crisis situation and, and I'm thankful, I mean, I'm thankful for everything that happened, but you know, I sort of think of these three C's in, in travel and in everyday life, which is community connection and coping. And, you know, how are we, how are we going to set ourselves up for success, not set ourselves up for, um, for crisis? Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. 
community connection and what was the third coping coping so so the coping is like is really looking at how are you coping with how do you cope in your daily life with stress good and bad um and and know that it's it may be ramped up <laughs> a million percent on travel so for me that looks like in addition to the community and the recovery um, literature that I have with me. And it, it looks like what is the physical practice? Mm-hmm. So in recovery, I discovered Pilates, which is how I, uh, how I process a lot of physical and emotional stress. And it's been absolutely transformative. Um, a lot of people talk about um, yoga and recovery. And for me, my, my thing is Pilates. And I've learned techniques that I can use. For instance, last year I was traveling, doing a story, an RV road trip with my husband and son, which again, a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Close quarters. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, uh, you know, more of a four seasons gal. So, you know, on a a hard mattress and navigating uh, the wilds of North Alabama, um, while, while, while it makes for a fun story, like threw me out of whack physically and and I was away so you know what I did I had this I had my Pilates practice and -hmm. I got down in the forest and you know did my leg circles and again I have apps I have tools but it was something it was not something that I learned to do on the road these are all things that I I brought with me so you know what we all have so I, I guess as far as the physical practice you know we know there are hotel gyms you can always walk walking is another way that I um, you know, that I kind of release the, the, the physical stuff that comes with traveling and then you can meet locals. I mean, how lovely is it to walk in a community that you're traveling and have a coffee and get to talk to locals? Or, I mean, walk to a meeting, um, you know, so I think that physical practice is really, really vital as well, um, as well as um, as well as the and for me, the physical practice is spiritual, too. Yeah. So I do in my travel look at, um, you know, where I am spiritually, which is deeply for me connected to, to my recovery. It's all intertwined. Um, you know, but, but I know that if I don't have have those, you know, those, the physical practices, the spiritual practices, the community, um, you know, if I'm not hooked in to, to all of those things, I can very quickly lose myself. Mm -hmm. I think that, that you're saying like being uh, like the phrase of being prepared is half the battle is what it keeps coming up in my head or like that kind of a phrase. But for me, being prepared is 90% of the battle. Mm -hmm. And it seems like all of these things that you shared here, I mean, you're preparing with a solution in mind. You're not preparing with like, we'll see what happens. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're, they're like, I'm holding on. And, and even if I have to hold on tight to all of these things, I I have all of these things in my arsenal, in my toolbox in this imaginary toolbox and sometimes physical toolbox. Like I have it, my solution, I'm bringing my solution with me and I'm going to just go through this bag until I use every single one if I need to. Exactly. And you know, yeah, we'll see what happens is how I was for a long time. And I know exactly what is going to happen. For me, the story never ends differently. I did a lot of research. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not alone. Um, it doesn't end differently. Um, so yeah, that, that, I, you know, I really went with that for a long time. Like, and I guess, you know, yeah, maybe I just thought I was going to have this, you know, spontaneous sobriety, which uh, for me was, was not the case. Um, it was going to any lengths. It is going to any lengths. Um, and not just saying like, well, you know, what the heck, um, 
because like right. I, I know I know what's gonna happen. And you know, again, you know, maybe now it's if I just say what the heck, um, you know, of course, yes, there's always the risk of drinking. But for me, that also can result in a day where I've worn myself out physically, where I will develop migraines, um, where my body will revolt. <laughs> um, like, we'll be like, no, ma'am, this is not how we, this is not how we roll. So, you know, I guess it's, and even sometimes it does. Sometimes my body on a trip says, nope, you know, and, and I have to honor that too. That's an ongoing process for, you know, if I get a, a migraine on the road, I mean, yes, luckily it's not because I've been out till four in the morning, but, um, it means I have to call things off. <laughs> I have to pivot. I have to surrender. So again, it's like, I, I kind of want to challenge this notion of that, you know, it just all becomes this beautiful, rosy, um, seamless, um, experience um travel inherently is bumpy and you know and and it's not entirely for me to control but yes I need to prepare for it all right well can we touch on some some of the beautiful parts of sober travel because I know for me like I'll combine one all together being able to wake up like an ungodly early hour in the morning and slip out if you're with your family, slip out before anyone else is awake mm. and go get coffee and just walk around or watch the sunrise. That is like, it, that just doesn't get old on a trip for me. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, you know, the morning hours are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new start. So same thing. The fact that, you know, travel before was trying to rally in the morning or trying to remember or always having headaches, being dehydrated. Like when I think about it now, I'm like, that is, how did I live like that for so long? But now what it looks like for me is yes, waking up and, um, and having my morning routine, doing my spiritual practice, um, being, being grateful, doing my gratitude list. I take my gratitude list on the road and, you know, thank you. Thank you, Tammy, for inspiring me in that way. Um, you know, and then it means walking to that, yeah, taking a walk, exploring the cities as they wake up, um, having some time for my personal writing. It's like, I feel like I have these secret stolen hours. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and then I, and I meet, I mean, and this is just the extraordinary grace of sober travel. I meet the most remarkable people and have the most beautiful, meaningful conversations. So, you know, Prior, my life was, you know, these, what I thought were these wild adventures and, you know, and, and I always thought I had to have these, and I did, <laughs> these crazy travel stories that they came out of price. Um, now I get to, um, whether it's connecting with um, my husband, my son, my family, if I'm traveling with them, with friends, um, I, I just have more openings for meaningful connection, which is what I always sought, whether that's connection with my loved ones, with people in new towns, or with myself, um, which, like, that's what travel is about. It's connection and exploring and not, I mean, going to, yeah, it does give me more time or more, you know, it just opens up all of these new doors and I'm in my body, not running from it. Mm -hmm. So, 
And it, you're not just in your head, right? So, thinking about, you know, the, yeah, thinking about where you're going to get your next drink or trying yeah. not to puke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just So, you know, so some things that I do is, yeah, I'll write down a line or two or I might Instagram it um, and talk about how grateful I am. You know, it's it's true. Um, it's stunning. It's staggering. The, the things I get to see with these open eyes, literally, whether it's a sunrise or or the food I get to experience. I mean, I write about food. That's part of what I do. And, you know, savoring a meal um, is is phenomenal. And there's so many terrific people who are doing space, doing some really interesting work around um, the food and drink space and how our eyes and our palates become open um, when we're, we're traveling, um, traveling sober um, and you remember your meals and you savor. So it's not, it's not just making it through. It's really feeling things with the depths of your, of your soul. Mm. Yeah. You get yeah. to experience it in a whole new way. And like you said, yeah. you went back to Rome and you see it for the first time with these yes. fresh new eyes, everything, the food, the sights, the sounds, the smell. Yeah. You see it all. And, 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 you know, and then you, you can, you know, I believe we can, if it's our choice and our path, you know, it's, we can tell new stories about what travel is supposed to be. And again, these are deeply, deeply ingrained narratives in our culture. Um, and we've been talking about them a lot lately. Um, you know, but, but we can really, that this notion that travel or the good life has to include alcohol. What's exciting to me now is there are more and more people who are saying, well, that that's actually not the case. We can actually have a very big life and a very meaningful life wherever you are. And again, you don't have to have experienced addiction. You could make the choice to be alcohol free for a number of reasons, including the fact that you want to wake up and have all these experiences we've talked about. Um, so I think we're at this period where we're really sort of questioning these. And again, that's not to... Um, I try to be really careful. Again, I don't want to demonize for some people. Alcohol is part of their travel. Um, and but but it doesn't have to be. So these are the voices um, that I'm really excited to hear more and more about when people are saying, like, I'm living this big full life, whether it's at home or on the road. And I'm doing it uh, with I'm doing it alcohol free. And I just didn't I didn't see that. 10 years ago. I didn't, you know, when I really started searching, I didn't see it five years ago. There weren't, I mean, it was there, um, but I didn't really see examples. So I just defaulted to this idea that, that drinking was part of travel. It's it's inherent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, so, and it's not. Um, So, but, you know, we're still in a, we're still kind of in a, in a, in a minority. Um, so yeah, navigating that and navigating the messages, um, whether it's in the airport or on the cruise ship or in a, you know, that it's, um, you know, it's still, it still can be an uphill battle, which is why, again, getting back to that 90% preparation. I love that. Like we have to really get our story straight because it's very, very easily, it's very easy to slip into old beliefs and, and, widely held cultural beliefs in a heartbeat and a heart and our defenses are down you know when you are tired when you, and again our, our, it's so easy so um it's easy but it there's a way to 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 navigate it and do it with joy um one one thing that i wanted to say is like i, I know that sometimes um 
Yeah, when we post things on Instagram or this kind of social proof that, you know, we're sober and, and trying to change the, the stigma associated with it, it can also sometimes seem like this landslide of like, well, this one's got, she's got it all figured out, or life is this utopia in sobriety. And it's, and it's not like, I mean, I want to be really clear about with our listeners, like that is not the case. It's, um, it's, it, it's a good life, but we still, I still struggle. Um, you know, I'm a little bit over three years and I recently went to Phoenix and, um, my parents, my mom and her husband, they, they ordered margaritas and all of a sudden, this weird thing happened with me. It was 100 degrees outside, and I'm sitting outside. And then I went into the bathroom and had to, like, do essential oils and text Natalie and do this whole thing. And then yeah. I was so agitated that I said, can we get our food to go? I don't feel like I can stay here. Yeah. And they were like, sure. But I don't think I would have done that before. You know, I think I would have struggled through, resented the hell out of everybody, watched every sip, um, really, really struggled. And instead, you know, I figured out a way to kind of change the story, change what was happening without mm-hmm. kind of changing um, that they were having a good time, right? It was all within me. Right. Um, but having the voice, I think, when you start, I think that's what maybe time gives you a little bit of in sobriety is that you start strengthening that voice. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. And and you had that voice to advocate for yourself, um, for me, I didn't have that voice. Um, I'm at, at two years. Um, I'm still practicing that voice. Yeah. And it's really helpful for me to hear you again, Tammy, and to hear you, Sandra, and to hear from people who have, you know, I think time is this great gift. It sounds kind of cliche, but I think it's it really, really is so important because with time, we just we have more experience. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily a shield against anything. Cause again, we're, we're honestly talking about some challenges that we've had while traveling. Um, but you know, you, you could use the words to say, um, I, I need to leave and I'm still practicing that. Um, you know, I think we're all still practicing it to an extent. Um, but how amazing, you know, when you think about the progress that you've made, or I think about the progress that I've made where I can say, you know, I, I just, I can't, or I'm going to get in, you know, I'm going to get in a, in an Uber and go home. Um, you know, is it, it takes, a, it takes time. It takes practice. Yeah. Um, so. And to do it gracefully and not mm-hmm. make it dramatic yeah. <laughs> too is really, yeah. it's challenging. There's, there's also this, I mean, I know I also, you know, I've fallen into places where, and I probably was when I was on that cruise ship is, you know, in my mind, I have this narrative, like I'm fighting for my life and, you know, you right. don't understand. And, um, and it is this urgent, you know, life or death thing. Mm-hmm. And there are times, I mean, I'm still learning how to self-regulate. Yeah. I'm still learning how to, so yeah, that learning curve of being able to do it with grace, man, that's a, that's a tough one for me. Cause yeah, I build up, I build up all this, all these stories in my head about, you know, don't you know, like I'm literally, I'm fighting so hard. And, but I also have to, again, like when I, when those conversations happen, in fact, I had a great conversation with my brother-in-law on the cruise and he, you know, he was so kind to ask the next night, Hey, can you tell me a little bit about what was going on with you? Um, you know, were you upset because you couldn't drink? <laughs> and I said, mm. no, you know, no, that's not it. And then we, we had a really good, honest conversation about what was triggering and what it's like to be in recovery. 
So, you know, keep, uh, for me, I have to keep in mind, not, yeah, not everyone is in recovery. Um, right. Cause it's not all about you. You know, <laughs> even though it feels like, what? Or, you know, treading water barely. It's not all about you. All of those other people that you're on vacation with or whatever are also there to have a good time. So yeah. it's, it's really, it's, it's tricky. And they have their own struggles. I mean, I have to, you know, like my sister had two small children. That's very challenging. My dad and mom were navigating with physical issues. Like the world does not revolve around, around me. So when I step back, like this is part of my, my challenge. Um, But it doesn't. So there are, there, it's, it's a really navigating that. And it, it, it has taken me a lot of time um, to go, okay, I honor your path. Um, and I'm, you know, and I'm not judging and I'm not blowing up, um, you know, and I'm coming from a place of love. And, you know, in that case, I, I did step back. I kept thinking out throughout the weekend, what is this purpose, the purpose of this trip, which gets back to our original planning question. What is this pur- the purpose of this trip? So in the examples that I've shared, you know, these trips have accomplished their purposes, you know, getting to honor my mom on her 70th birthday, getting to see my brother, you know, and to witness that getting to be a witness. And I think that's part of, for me, the sober travel journey is I'm not necessarily at the center of the story. Sometimes I'm just witnessing, um, you know, witnessing things and, um, and taking care of, of myself and my side of the road. It's not all about me being this character in this big drama. Right. Yeah. And and I think in these instances, I mean, we're pretty raw And, and I always feel like a raw nerve is what I say. And, um, and sometimes that's activated, someone's scratching that nerve or someone's not, but, but, but a tool that, um, when you were just saying earlier about drama and you're at the center of it, like, and I can't believe I'm saying this, um, because I would have laughed at myself before Sandra and I talk about this often, like some of the things that I say now, and I really believe them, but I do say the serenity prayer in my head dozens of times a day. And in, in situations like that, it's like, what can I control? It's, I can't, I have to accept it, you know? Um, and when I, when I get in those situations, I say the serenity prayer and then I say that mantra, I need to choose grace over drama. That usually ratchets me down a bit because I'm like, I love drama. I like, I, I, sometimes I think I'm being funny or I'm lightening the mood. Um, but really it, it doesn't help the situation so much, but I find that I can be dramatic with like Sandra or Natalie. You know, I can text you. You know, I don't feel like I get judged. I feel like I get a solution. Um, and then I can move on. So that drama, at least it wasn't a public drama. It right. might just be text drama <laughs> to say like, um, I'm, I'm ratcheted up really high. I'm going to need, I'm going to need a real steady voice right here. And I don't even say that. They just do it for me. And, um, right. and I hope that I can do that for them in return. But it's like this inner dialogue that we're having. And I think mantras, prayers, any words you make up yourself that calm you down, you know, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. because we're in our heads a lot and try to find something that works for you. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, that's a really good point. Whatever it may be. I mean, there's some some central um, principles here about what we put into our, our recovery toolboxes and um, and y'all do such a great job with sharing so many tools and people who come at it from different ways so um, you know so really what what the what the specifics are yes for me it's it is um, there, you know there's certain prayers there's certain uh, physical practices and you know but but they're 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 different and that's okay but there just has to be has to be something and yeah. then and I think it's important to talk about, I mean, 
and we've we've hit on this, but you know, expectations. Yeah. Um, you know that there's so many expectations around travel, and and really, travel is a practice of letting go of those, which you know for me can become res- expectations can become resentments. Well, that's what what I, what's this, I always love the saying I hear in the rooms: expectations are pre-resentments. Exactly. Like like you're getting ready to resent something when you oh, have yeah. an expectation. Exactly. So you know, just being really cognizant, like throughout the day, being very mindful as I'm going through travels. Like, what am I expecting? You know, this this and and then it's travel is a practice of letting go. Mm. which is to me what this whole deal is all about. And it's a opportunity to practice my recovery and be open to lessons. Um, And it's very humbling um, for me because the lessons that I get in sober travel, um, I mean, yeah, I don't, they're not, the lessons I get are, are, my brain didn't think them up they're, you know, they're staggering, they're, they're incredible. So I think that's one of the really important pieces of this is like, I'm not sure what lesson I'm going to get on the trip that I take, you know, on Thursday, I have, you know, I'm not sure. Um, But I know that I am, I am more open to receiving than I was previously. And that's been a I mean, there's there's no words to describe the benefits of. I I can't even really imagine, though. Of course, I can't because it wasn't. I'll never forget it. But where I was at the the depths of my drinking and travel, um, and I, and I'll I'll never I'll never forget it. But I truly never knew. I mean, when I was talking to to Sandra on my last day one, I truly never knew the heights. <laughs> You know, I, n- I did not know what was going to be revealed mm. in recovery. I just wanted to not drink. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's it's really exciting. I mean, I it's, you know, it, it's now when I walk into an airport, I mean, I'm I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm excited for what, you know, God has has planned for me. But, you know, I look at that, I look at it again, it's an extension of my life. So I'm excited when I get up, you know, at my home in, in Birmingham, Alabama and, you know, get to take my son for a swim, which we did last night. Like, I'm I'm just excited about life. And it, it's important to mention none of it for me would be possible without um, making the decision and then following through on the decision and then doing it every single day. None of this travel that I'm describing now would be possible for me. Um, none of the adventures are experienced, none of it. Um, but it is very much a, a work in progress. Mm. And it's your, all so good. It's your job and your life. And you've, you're, you're, I, I love that it, it is your job and that you did it for so long, Aaron, and that now you know the difference, right? You do know the difference and like, oh. that you can't, can't imagine going back to that. I can't imagine. And I'll, and I'll be honest. I mean, I wouldn't, when I look back, like I haven't deleted my Instagrams from when I was drinking. Yeah, I haven't um, either. I haven't, I haven't, and I won't. Um, I looked at a video uh, yesterday. I was doing some work with a, a web designer, and I watched a video of myself speaking at a conference. I was traveling during this conference, and gosh, my eyes. Mm. And I, I was I was hungover. Seeing my eyes was shocking. It's always in the eyes, isn't it's it? It's always in the eyes. You can mm-hmm. always, you know. 
whenever anyone posts the before and after sort of pictures for recovery, you can always see it in someone's eyes. You can always see it. And that's, wow. And it's like, I can't even, but again, you know, if you looked at my life, then it, you know, the lovely charcuterie boards from restaurants all over, you know, you made it look good. Yeah. I made it look good. I, and I will say I am very, very, very wary of, um, again, sort of a whole other topic. And, um, and I do talk about it with tell better stories, but, um, you know, the, the, again, this cultural sort of media travel drinking narrative, I think we're getting ready to see some shifts with it. Um, because I know that when I was posting all that content, I know what was really, um, happening on the other side. Um, so, you know, I keep all those things as, as reminders. I never want to forget. Um, and again, luckily I have witnesses too. Um, you know, I mean, again, I'll never stop saying that it's one of the greatest gifts of my life that, you know, that again, Sandra saw me. So on, on, at the lowest of my drinking and the lowest of my travel, um, you know, and I, so, so I have witnesses too. Um, and I need that to, to be able to even have this conversation. And that's so meaningful to me to say like that, that I, I need to remember. Um, and again, not dwelling it, not living it. Um, you know, but just to sort of remember. So yeah, I, I cherish every freaking you know, post last night was a picture of a double rainbow. Um, and I cherish the hell out of that. You know, and I cherish every, you know, so whether you're, yeah, I cherish every experience now. Um, It's hard, it's hard fought and it's like, and it's grace given. Um, Mm. So, you know, yeah, when you've fought so hard to be in this life and experience this life, um, the, 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 when you fought so hard, it does give you this opportunity to really cherish all of all of the experiences, the travel experiences, the good and the bad, and to know that they'll pass too. You know, everything will pass. Um, but am I in the moment today? And am I for me? Am I being service of service, just as others have been of service to me? And that is why I do right now. You know, when I post, I want to be really honest. In I don't want it to just be this. I want it to be honest that sober travel is good and bad and lovely and amazing, and that's what life is. Yeah, yeah. It's like a metaphor for everything. It is. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, you, I know we could talk to you, um, about so many things. We should probably have you back on to talk about tell better stories so that we can, we'll have you be our returning guest that always returns and has more to say because you are doing so many wonderful things. I'll take it. Yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning it. It's just, it's so, it's so exciting. The dialogue is so exciting right now in this space. I mean, even since we last spoke, um, you know, I just feel like we're, we are all picking up so much, um, mm-hmm. so much steam and there's such a need and, uh, it's just, it's an awesome time. I'm so, so thankful for the gift of sobriety and recovery, um, and, and the divine timing that has just led to so many beautiful things and connections and relationships. And yeah, you guys are rock stars. Well, Where do you have the biggest presence for tell better stories? Would you say, is that on Instagram? Yeah. Um, okay. On Instagram. So, yeah. Um, so I have the site and I'm actually in the process of, um, of kicking that up a notch. Um, but in, Instagram really has been how people have found it and where the dialogue, dialogue is occurring. It's, a, there are a lot of complicated issues around alcohol and media and it's, uh, so I, you know, I, I, that's my main platform. Um, I am encouraging people to go to the site and to interact and to, 
um, dig a little bit more um, on the site in other ways. But, um, you know, the neat thing about it is, yeah, people are coming to it and they're having discussions and, um, you know, and getting back to the topic of sober travel. Um, I am highlighting some examples of people who are doing some terrific work in this space and being models. And I do believe that, um, you know, how we create content, um, including in travel and in lifestyle, um, is is it's so so vital so i think in the next year we're going to be seeing even more people coming into the space you know whether it's planning you know sort of sober travel um you know tours or adventures or talking about their experiences or people who have you know and that really excites me um when, when people have that dialogue online about how they've incorporated their sobriety and recovery into their travel experiences so yeah uh, well, well, this is the part I think we're getting to this part of the show where we do share, you know, I know this whole episode has been sharing um, toolbox items, I'm hoping people were writing down different things that you were saying. But this is the section of the show where we share, um, you know, what's in your unruffled toolbox is what we usually ask. And so do you have people or items or things that are influencing you for sober travel or that you could recommend to our listeners that they could kind of um, investigate, you know, outside of the podcast? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm glad that you ask. So a few people that I'm following right now that I'd like to mention, um, one is um, Sober Outside, um, which is it's Sober Outside Travel Adventures, and it's SoberOutside.com. And the site was just launched a couple of weeks ago. It's a woman named Brooke, um, who also comes from an editorial magazine background, and she is in Orlando, Florida. And these are women only sober travel adventures trips. So yeah, really cool. So she's planning some upcoming travel and she has a deep background um, in adventure travel, which is really cool. Um, And she's planning some, some trips um, for women. um, And it really is kind of a fresh new voice. There, there are a number of sober travel kind of tour group options um, out there, but, but this one is neat because it's really focused on, um, on women. And I think it's something that your audience, um, would enjoy. So, um, so that's outside.com. I really enjoy reading sober in Vegas and she's sober in Vegas.com. And, you know, I think of, of any place, right. um, where it'd be challenging to get sober. Uh, you know, it's, it's Las Vegas. And what I love, um, is that she's showing, you know, beautiful hikes and, you know, how she does get access to all these amazing things, um, in a city that's known for its, its excess, including natural beauty. So she's really modeling, um, modeling travel in, in her community. Um, this and so- she's also on Instagram, by the she's way. She's on Instagram, yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at Sober in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she reached um, out to me when I went to Vegas, when I was in Vegas a lot. And she said the next time I came back, you know, we should get together and go do something. So I'm looking forward to getting to know her when I go back there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, See, and that's another, like, what a cool side benefit. Like, we have this great network, and, like, all are welcome, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soberverse, um, she's on Instagram, and and she's in Toronto and is posting some some great content about sober travel um, as well. So those are the three. Oh, the Soberverse? Soberverse. Okay, I just want to make sure I get it right. And is that on Instagram, Soberverse? Yeah, she's okay. on Instagram. All right. Um, so she's terrific. Um and those are the three, the three, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people, um, you know, but those are the three that come to mind, you know, who are really doing some exciting work um, yeah. in, in the sober travel space. 
Um, but yeah, I think it is important to mention too, while we're talking about this is, you know, we, we, when you plug into, you know, these wonderful communities of women, you know, it's really neat because I am seeing women who come to cities and, and visit. So, you know, I know Sandra, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know that you've connected with women. Um, you know, so because of this whole, this in your city and visited mm-hmm. with them. So it's really neat. Like I would encourage people, um, to, you know, to engage in the sober community as a way to the digital community to, you know, yes, get inspiration for travel, think about, you know, how they can live these, you know, these big lives and traveling, how they can get back into traveling. Um, but also to connect with women when they may be going to other cities and, you know, right. I was, I was just going to highlight that because Mm -hmm. I tell you what, if you're in a couple of, um, if you're in a couple of online sober groups, specifically some of the Facebook groups, if you're going to a city for say business and you know, you're going to be alone, you there's there's a there's a sister in that city I guarantee yeah. you you just put the call out somebody will meet you for dinner I just um you know met some some women that were you know one in particular that was in my city from actually your city Erin just the other day when she put a call out in one of our groups that she you know wanted to have dinner with someone from the community and um it was you know we didn't know each other, but we had that one common thing and yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's so crazy. You know, Sandra messaged me and it turns out this person is my neighbor. There's a woman in my neighbor and in my neighborhood who, and she actually knew she was like, Oh, I, I saw, I'd see it. It's kind of a whole other story, but you know how, like we're a very, very tight knit, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so, like, it can like people might think, oh, it's so daunting. Like, how can I meet other other sober women? But it's actually really not. Like, and just I find do it once, do it once, and then it'll get easier. But I guarantee you, it it's almost it's kind of like going on a first date, but it it, <laughs> it, it gets less weird. It is less like. weird. It's like yeah, we share this common thing, which is that we don't drink, and it's just a this really great, beautiful way to start a conversation. And it's, it's no small talk, really. You kind of jump in, you know, and I love it. I love it. I love it now when I go somewhere and put that call out. I met Carly Benson in Las Vegas, and she took me to this place to have high tea. Um, and she's like, I can show you how to do Vegas, you know. And, and again, it was like Vegas of all places. But anywhere I've been going, if I'm going down to L.A., I'll put down or San Diego. I've met Nancy Carr, um, and we went and had we went to a meeting together and had breakfast and a sober sister from that listens to the show and that follows me on Instagram just so happened to message me. It was around New Year's and said, she, you know, she needed some help. Um, and so we invited her to come along. And it was like she was nervous and stuff. But it was like we were just all like we'd just been friends for a long time and just talked. And it was great. And I highly encourage our listeners to reach out. Put a call out if you are in a secret Facebook group like, hey, I'm heading to San Francisco. Is anybody around? Like, can anybody have tea? Right, right. Especially if you know that, you know, this particular, you know, business trip is going to be super boozy and you need to escape your hotel. I mean, it's it's the 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 quickest and most fun way to do it. (laughs) Totally. And there's something to that that I want to say, too, is like, you know, it's it's there's so much again getting back to the there's so much stress around that like the boozy conference and this and that mm-hmm. and people feeling isolated like may, feel, people feeling isolated but maybe 
maybe there's a, it's an opportunity to realize you're changing, Mm. right? And whether Mm -hmm. it's business travel or boozy pleasure travel to realize you're uncomfortable and the, the discomfort is good. Um, you know, the discomfort can be good is so is so, instead of it being like an oppressive thing, mm-hmm. it can be so beautiful. Um, so, and I think, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to just kind of think about this and also to think about like how our community is growing both in the U S and even internationally. Yeah. I mean, I hope when we talk in a year that we're talking about how we connected, um, you know, when we have our unruffled tell better stories, world domination tour, right. Um, <laughs> with mm-hmm. all sisters who are doing great work. Like, um, you know, this, this network isn't just in the U S you know, there, I hear from so many people who are writing to me from England and particularly and other, mm. so like this network is so big and so growing and it's an exciting time. So, you know, stay ahead and use those, use those fears or discomforts to go, you know what, what if this is an opportunity for me to get outside my comfort zone? And like, it, like this excites me for the trip that I'm going to take tomorrow. I'm like, I can't wait to get into, you know, to be in DC and, and pop into some new meetings or pop into, you know, I remember last time I was there. I, yeah. I met another woman, um, from the sort of the sober verse. So I'm rambling now, but it, it, it inspires me to think about this being, you know, sober travel, not being an individual pursuit, sobriety, not yeah. being an individual pursuit, but being part of this evolving community that is only going to become more strong. Mm-hmm. I love that. Aaron. Oh, thank you so much, Aaron. This was so much wonderful information for our listeners and so timely so for the summer good. season. Yeah. Yep, thank sure. you. Guys. I, I would love to end with a, a call to action. I think uh, my, my call to action is uh for us to talk about um, sober travel while you guys make a sober trip to Birmingham, Alabama to go packing. There you go. Um, So along those lines, um, we have our Patreon campaign. (laughs) We are working on uh, getting to Birmingham and I cannot wait to go caftan shopping and have tea and have you show us all the wonderful thrift stores. Fantastic. Yes. Support these ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron. This has just been lovely. And uh, I know our listeners are going to really, really appreciate all that you shared here. Yes. Valuable, valuable. Cheers to everyone. All right. All right. Bye. Take care. Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. <laughs>